Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. Uh, this is your host, Manuel Gil del Real, and I'm here with David Gill. And uh, today we have a topic that uh, he and I have been talking about quite a bit lately, and it's something that intrigued us quite a bit. Um, and it's actually developing audiences to sell direct to consumer or DTC. Um, we, we will probably explain briefly what DTC is for just to, to set some kind of background. But um, the main thing is that within the world of selling direct to consumers, there's a lot of different strategies. And uh, one of the ones that we really like is when you almost do the, uh, the selling a little backwards. You develop the audience and then you develop the products for your audience. So that's actually the core of this conversation that we're going to have today. Hopefully it's interesting and uh, um, we'll just get started right away, David. Yeah, it all stemmed from, I don't know, probably a month or two ago. Uh, you asked me something that I asked myself all the time, which was, obviously we're an agency, so we work with lots of other companies. But you asked me, okay, if you were to start your own company today, right. direct to consumer, how would you do it? And I said that now I think the best strategy and what I would do would be to create an audience first and then create products for that audience because right. it solves the biggest problem that every single D2C company faces when they start to get bigger, which is the customer acquisition cost. That's the biggest, biggest, biggest thing. And when you get bigger, uh, it's just you have to buy every customer and you've taken all the low-hanging fruit and it gets very expensive to mm -hmm. keep buying more and more customers. But by creating your own audience, well, it obviously takes longer and it's going to be a lot of investment up front. The dividends down the road are much larger. And also you can have a little variety of products. You can actually determine what kind of product you develop for your audience yes. depending on what kind of audience you have. Obviously, It, it allows you a lot of flexibility. It's you, kind create of, a, you create demand almost before you create the product. Exactly. You, you basically are, are creating an audience around something And then once you have that audience, you know exactly what their interests are, exactly what they probably want to buy, and then you create products directly catered to that audience. All right, well, let me back up a little bit because I said I was going to explain a little bit or we were going to explain a little bit what is actually DTC as far as direct-to-consumer. So that's actually a trend that is not new at all. I mean, it's been around for a while. We have very... Um, Famous companies that have done have been very successful selling directly to consumers. So I was thinking the other day, do you know what the biggest D 2 C e commerce company actually has been that most people don't mention? It's not like Dollar Shave Club or any of these that people think of off the top of their head or Casper. Direct to consumer. Um, I don't think you'll guess it. No. Tesla. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. They don't do dealerships. Mm -hmm. You buy it through their website, and they're a $50 billion company. Right. They're the biggest. I actually was thinking about that the other day. I was like, you know, Tesla is the biggest D2C. People don't think about it that way, right. but they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't have dealerships. They only have retail stores, basically. Mm -hmm. And they deliver the car to you, just like uh, yep. when you purchase one. So, yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, and it's worth, uh, worth four and GM combined or something yep. like that these days. So... That's a good example. Uh, but everybody knows more the Dollar Shave Clubs and the... Um, Harry's, there are the big competitor, the competitor. Casper. Um, there's, there's a million examples. Yeah, there's a Foot 52, I think it is another one. That was one that, I wanted to talk we'll, about we'll who discuss, used the audience strategy. Right, we'll discuss later. So, But let's describe briefly what is direct-to-consumer as opposed to... Obviously, business to business, we know it's just directly selling to businesses. Business to consumer is when the business sells to consumers. Direct to consumer is a little bit more unique as far as the advantages that it has. Um, 
there's two words. There's direct-to-consumer. There's another term that I don't like using very much because I think it's overcomplicated. It's DNVB, digitally yeah. native vertical brands. I think that's a little too much. Nerdy. Um, <laughs> basically, when you say digitally native vertical brands, it basically means they are a digital vertical brand. They own the entire stack of how they connect to their customer. Um, so but, they don't but actually sell. That, but actually, that does describe a little better what is direct-to-consumer because one of the advantages, one of the key advantages of direct-to-consumer is the fact that you always, the, the seller or the company, the producer owns the data. And the data the and the fact. customer experience. Exactly, exactly. So when you sell, if you're a company and you put your products in Walmart or Target or any retailer, that customer... The experience is controlled by Walmart or Target, not by you. When you are D2C, and that's why you see more and more D2C companies actually opening their own retail stores now too, because that's when the digitally native kind of gets a little fuzzy because they started digital and now they're opening stores. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, direct-to-consumer, I think, is the best best right. term. And it just basically means you either buy from their website or you buy from their store. Mm -hmm. You don't go to a retailer, you don't go to Amazon, you don't go to wherever you, to you buy. You don't have any them. third party distributors or anybody in the in the assembly chain between the, right. the the production and the selling. So obviously owning your data, your customer data is a big, is a big um, advantage um, which also means that you have more brand control of your own brand obviously. And by mere fact, you don't have any resellers or any retail stores or anybody selling. That means that your profit margins yeah. are always higher. Larger. Margins. You own the data. You own the experience. So, but the drawback is right. You have to acquire all of your customers. Right. You can't you go to Walmart, to, who already has a bunch of customers. And you need to develop your own brand. And you need to basically invest in your own. Now, the the short term strategy, obviously. Uh, you are looking for quick turnaround, quick benefits. Obviously, you want to be in the Walmarts and the Bed Bath and Beyond, so whatever store, Home Depot, whatever type of store, even Amazon, if you want to expose it to all the masses. Um, the long-term strategy is actually develop your own brand, develop your own DTC uh, strategy. And so what your a lot of are going to be larger. What a lot of companies do, um, and this is a strategy that I've been advising more and more companies, is that. They're focused mainly on their on their e-commerce site as the main sales channel, but they use other channels, most commonly Amazon, uh, for two main reasons. Number one, if you're not on Amazon yourself, someone else is going to sell your products on Amazon for you. Right. So you need to have an Amazon strategy. But number two, in the beginning, it can give you a lot of exposure and you can acquire a lot of customers from Amazon and funnel them to your site. Uh, and then down the road, once you get bigger and you have that control, then you can leave Amazon. That's that's something I've seen a lot of companies do. Right. Because um, developing D 2 C in the beginning is very very hard. Okay. The 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 long term rewards of being successful are huge, but it, there's a reason why most companies choose not to go the D 2 C route and choose the okay. I'm just gonna put my products in Walmart because they're mm -hmm. gonna do the selling for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with one or the other. It's just I mean. If, it's if you're, if, exactly, exactly. It's whatever your goals are. You just want to say, I, I want to have my products that everybody can find them anywhere. And, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice profit margins and just make like 10, 15% margin if that. Um, that's fine. You're based on volume. If yeah. you want to have a, a product that actually people need to come to you, you own the customer. You can upsell them to any product, even in the future, anything that is even remotely parallel to the product you're selling, you, you basically own that customer. And the reason we're seeing so many D2Cs now, whereas you didn't before, is because obviously it's so much easier to make of a D2C course. company now. Of course. Before, the only way 30 years ago to make a D2C is open your own store. 
good luck, you know? Right. But uh, that that's why we're seeing so many. That doesn't mean it's the only strategy, but it's what we wanted to talk about uh, today. We were talking earlier, just kind of half-joking, actually fully joking, that the DTC actually exists in other um, facets of our lives, like like even in, in politics, when we see more and more politicians, including our president, communicating directly to the consumer via Twitter and via uh, other methods that they don't need the traditional method of setting up a you know, uh, a press conference or something to establish some kind of uh, communication or something. And then uh, the press is going to take the information and post it on their own different media channels and all that. Now the president is, or maybe many other politicians or even uh, CEOs are actually using a DTC approach for their own communications when they just basically post something on Twitter and it's directly from the horse's mouth. And uh, it just goes directly to the consumers or the followers. So anyways, without getting into politics, let's go back to DTC. So now we're talking about the strategy of building your audience and then creating a product for that audience. So if I were to ask you, how do we get to do that? Or when we have clients that say, okay, that sounds great, but how do I get to do that? Yes. What would be the strategy for that? So it depends. First of all, most of our clients and most people out there listening probably already have a product. Um, so obviously, if you already have a product, you can't necessarily use the strategy to the full extent, but you definitely still can create an audience. Um, uh, a few examples that we kind of already mentioned. One is Food52, which recently just got acquired for over $100 million. They basically created a uh, news or uh, a food magazine website, basically, mm -hmm. and YouTube channel, and, and basically media company around food. And then they started selling uh, on their site to their audience, um, you know, kitchenware, different food stuff, basically anything that a foodie would be interested in. Another really good example is actually a bigger company, Bon Appetit, who's been around for a long time. They used to be a magazine. They still are, but now they do a lot of digital. I think they have 6 million subscribers on their YouTube channel, and they get tens of millions of views on their videos, and they do a phenomenal job. And I was looking at how do these guys make money because they do really high value, high production value YouTube videos. And anybody who's tried to make money doing high production value YouTube videos knows that the AdSense money that you get from YouTube doesn't pay for the right. bills. Yeah, that's not, that's not it. But I went to their site and they have a whole shop catalog there. And I said, okay, that's how these guys make so money. So you did mention something just now. You said a media company. That is actually key or two keywords this that are very example. important. Because you said that all these companies apparently they have in common that they create first like a media company where there is actually a multimedia company, I'll say, because they have YouTube, they have press, they have print, they have yeah. website and all that now, stuff, and blogs, articles, and then they develop. That's keep, how they build their audience, right? Keep in mind, Bon Appetit has been around for a long time. They're a big company. They can afford to do a lot of things. You don't have to be everywhere in the beginning. But focusing, in their case, food is a very visual thing. So YouTube is their biggest platform for right. a reason. Um, but if you're, whatever, like, like for us, our biggest platform is probably podcasting and blogging because that's how people learn about business strategies. You read and listen to podcasts. We do video too. Obviously, we're doing video podcasts, but uh, for us, the biggest is podcasting and blogging. So it, it really depends on what you're selling. Um, you have to ask yourself, most of the time when someone makes a purchasing decision, are they making a decision based on the visuals, based on knowledge, based on whatever? And you have to decide the medium because in the beginning, you don't have the luxury of creating 10 different mediums at once. But Bon Appetit is a great example of a company that did exactly this. They were a media company, 
They were not a, they didn't sell sure. their own stuff. Right. And now they do. And that's their biggest revenue source. So is that something, uh, do you think these companies that start with press or print media or any other type of channel, they say, hey, we have an opportunity now to capitalize on the audience that we built over the years to start selling products? Or is that, yeah, I don't I, think that was part of the original strategy. No. I said, uh, I think on a few podcasts ago, I said, if tomorrow you told me, okay, David, you are now the CEO of XYZ Media Company, okay, whatever it may be, name, pick whatever one, uh, and your job is to double or triple the revenues over the next five years, and this is already, I'm talking about a mature company, the f my main, main thing would not be trying to grow ad revenues or even necessarily subscription revenues. My main thing would be trying to create products or services around my content that I think the current audience would be interested in and then basically sell those products. Because when you sell an ad for $5 per thousand viewers, you're making $5 per thousand viewers you have. Right. But if you create a product and for $50, and you get one person out of the thousand viewers, you're making 10x the amount of money. So that's what I would do. And you can do that now without even being a major media company. You can just create your own mini media company and grow it over time. And that's the strategy that I think, like, like I said, if I were starting my own company right now, that's what I would do. But go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, obviously, it also depends on what kind of product you will be yeah. selling. Like obviously, uh, Bon Appetit, and Food 52, Kitchen, you know. Uh, Those are culinary. Like Another one that does great on YouTube is a company called VAT19. Mm -hmm. I don't know why oh, these companies numbers. have numbers, but it's called VAT19. And basically, they sell like uh, games and toys and puzzles, stuff like that. And their YouTube channel has millions of subscribers. And I actually found them just because they were on the trending page of YouTube with some like funny video and I, and I watched it and uh, I realized that they were a company that sells that stuff and they have a whole YouTube channel that's just them solving real life puzzles and playing games and whatever, millions of subscribers mm -hmm. and that's how they drive all of this revenue to their thing. And by the way, all these companies that were mentioned will definitely add into the show notes. So um, at the end of the episode, when we create the uh, webpage for the episode and you can go to MGRH and find it there, um, you have all the links, so you don't have to pause the video or anything. We'll, we'll definitely have all the information down there. So, um, so let me get back to my question. If, if we were to start, um, like if we were to start either for ourselves or for any client, first of all, obviously there's um, um, a more of a long-term planning and a strategy when you go this way, trying to build the audience. You don't build an audience overnight, obviously. So, but if you were to um, Built an audience, and we had to start somehow from scratch or from very little. How will you do that? Um, Listen, I can use the first-hand example of exactly what we're doing here. Okay, right. basically, one of the biggest things I wanted to do was weigh up our content from what we were doing two years ago because we used to write like blogs and have a a monthly newsletter, but nothing crazy. And basically, the main things that we do now is we have this weekly podcast, we write multiple articles every week, and we have two weekly newsletters. Right. And I want to grow that even more, but obviously, you know, we don't have unlimited resources, um, and it's enough kind of trying to manage. We basically put out, what, probably five or six, maybe seven. And obviously, it needs to be quality content. We're yeah, to quality be content. The, uh, the uh, channels with different... Yeah. Uh, we put out five or six quality pieces of content every week. And that's something that most agencies don't do. And I think one of our advantages is because while agencies will spout to their clients, oh, you need content, a lot of them don't even do content themselves. I look at right. another agency's blog, they make one post a month. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so most of our clients that we acquire is actually through our content, through our newsletters, through mm -hmm. our podcasts. That's, that's how we acquire. Right. And so that's, but we're B2B. Now, if you're D2C, obviously it's a little bit of a different approach. We provide business strategy because we sell business strategy. You know, we, we say, okay, if you like what we say here, then hire us and we can give a curated strategy for your company. Yeah, obviously, if you work but for if, us, you can work for you too. But if you're like VAT19 is a perfect example. They sell puzzles and toys and games. So their whole YouTube channel is playing and having a lot of fun, toys and puzzles and games. And then at the end, they say, if you want to play this too, Here's a link, buy it, you know? Like, mm -hmm. that's what they do. You can have all this fun that we're having in this video, right. too. Um, and so you just have to think whatever your uh, company is. Like, I'll give you an example, Starbucks, okay? Starbucks uh, doesn't do a lot of content, but if you are starting a coffee company today, super competitive category, right? Everybody and their mother has a coffee company today. Uh, but if you were to do it, if I were to do it, I wouldn't probably start a coffee company. It's very competitive. But if I were, if I had to, I would say, okay, there's lots of coffee lovers out there, just like there's like wine lovers, there's coffee lovers, coffee aficionados, blah, blah, blah. I would make a channel that's all about how to make the perfect coffee and trying different methods, French uh, roast and... Okay, so when you say a channel, what kind of channel are you referring to? Like you For make coffee, like a I would <clears throat> probably do YouTube because uh, okay. that's visual uh, or maybe and probably write guides on how to make the perfect coffee telling the difference between different roasts and different yeah. things um, so again this is this is when it you know it again it, it varies very much by uh, exactly your mm. company but you have to find what medium is best I will say for direct to consumer typically a visual medium is probably better because most direct to consumer products are more visual mm -hmm. um, for a B2B Uh, it's probably more audio works really well and reading. Um, it, but it, this is, it, like I said, there's no right answer. It's all contextual. The right answer is everything. But like I said, I don't expect people to do everything in the beginning. Right, right. All right. So, so what company you mentioned this, uh, 452, uh, Bon Appetit, whatever companies you think have been successful. Obviously we have the success companies that probably a bunch of them that didn't make it and we don't know about it, but, uh, What do you think is the common denominator for all these companies that did it right? Because obviously they did it in different industries and uh, they were able to, uh, Dollar Share Club is, is, a, is a good example. And, and they, they develop over years and obviously they were- uh, Dollar Shave Club is a good example of someone who relied a lot on paid advertising, mm -hmm. but they were different in that they were willing to heavily invest in the creative. Instead of just having a little dinky video like most companies do, They had really awesome ads. And they were also, to, to their credit, they were first in the... Uh, they were first. ...subscription service for consumable items that people will normally buy at the right. grocery store. But what, what blew up them is that they had really awesome ads. And mm -hmm. they said, we're going to make that investment in creative, which most companies are very hesitant to do. Um, and they did that. And so the biggest differentiator is that all of these companies... Obviously, listen, if you're Bon Appetit or VAT19 or anything, if you watch their videos... They're very high quality, okay? Yeah. And these are companies that are willing to, this, the winners are the ones who are willing to commit to consistently creating high quality content over many years. And that is what makes them successful. Because you can't just make content for a month and expect it to change your business. But when I hear this commitment, 
high quality content years other stuff if i'm a client it's like money 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 and if i'm a startup not necessarily where is that investment for me coming from obviously i can find investors that believe in my philosophy believe in my vision more than anything else and they say yes we're going to commit for two years to fund this campaign so that we get a return on investment later on the answer the majority is of the cases the small the small startup is more mostly self-financed or small business that they don't have these kind of um, resources to to fund this for such a long thing which kind of makes them drop out of the dtc race too soon before they start recruiting the uh, or, or, or acquiring this kind well, of success my friend i have an answer because i get this question no friends <laughs> i get this question a lot <laughs> The answer is the reason you do the content is because it's not that you can't make money from ads. Obviously, like I said, we manage paid media for lots of clients. And by the way, the big strategy too that most companies don't do enough of is using paid media to acquire new media uh, viewers, to acquire your audience instead of directly getting them to buy just to get them to subscribe to your newsletter or watch your YouTube videos because then they become more entrenched. It's much easier to sell. But anyways, forget that. The answer is that in the beginning, the reason you do the content is because, yeah, if you're spending 10 grand a month on ads, you can make money on that. It's it's if you mm -hmm. know what you're doing, okay? It's when you start growing a lot because most startups don't want to be a startup forever. They want to be a 10 sure. plus million dollar company, but it takes time to get there. And the difference is that you can probably, uh, I don't want to make such a blanket statement, but you can make a million dollar revenue company just from ads. But going past that, making a five, $10 million revenue company with just ads is very hard, very hard. Uh, you need to have really, really, really good margins, a backing from investors, something, because you're just funneling tons of budget into paid ads. Right, right. And so the answer is that if you have a marketing budget, in the beginning, you can have 75% of it be for paid ads, just bring dollars in. We need to pay the bills. Totally understand. But then allocate that other 25% so that you can actually uh, basically create content. And in the beginning, that content's not gonna get you anything, but that content will over time generate more revenues for you. And on top of that, another thing people don't think about nearly enough is the customer retention. People are just focused on acquiring new ones, mm -hmm. but they forget their other ones. Creating content is the best way, besides having a good product, obviously, to keep customers. And so that's that's why content right. is and, valuable. And, the, and adding lifetime value to your customers because usually your product is is good, they will come back to you. Yeah. So once you acquire the customer, you retain them, and then they they become like money in the bank for you. Right. And then you just basically acquire new customers. So do you think these companies that are because it seems like there's a a, a pattern where these companies are created, they grow, they reach a peak, and then sometimes they're acquired or sold. Um, do you think that's a, a way to start up a company that, that their goal is usually to be acquired or sold or, or they yeah, continue? These, these days, that's what people are in it for. Because the reason is because it's so hard for bigger companies, the, the huge multi-billion dollar brands to, it's basically they run into this problem where if you're a, if you're whoever, Kraft Heinz, okay? And, or, or Gillette or one of those. Or any of them. And right. you're worth tens of billions of dollars. Creating a new mini brand that's doing 10 million a year in revenue 
is just not worth your time when mm-hmm. you are that big. But it is worth the average entrepreneur's time to make a $10 million a year company. So right. that's the advantage you have. And then as your company, when you hit 10 million, and then maybe you hit 10 million bootstrapped. If you do that, bravo. Very difficult, but bravo. And right. then from there, you go out and say, okay, I have a $10 million company. Now I'm going to go raise money and try to kick Gillette's ass. And that's what they do. And then Gillette says, holy crap, who is this company right, right. taking before, our market before, share? When you start becoming a little blip on the radar and they start kind of looking or thinking exactly. about you, they say, we need to cut this off. And the best way to cut it off is basically to buy them. The biggest way that brands are are growing their D2C side is by acquisition. They're right. not really developing. They're trying, but they're failing a lot. The mm-hmm. biggest way is acquiring. So the the opportunity is, hey, if you can build that company, you can get acquired. Right, and by then you've made your 10x investment and you're happy to sell and you develop something else. So uh, now we haven't really mentioned much social media for this um Obviously, we, we said YouTube and other channels, but uh, how big do you think social media in the fact that it's social, that it's basically more um, accessible for everybody, how big of a role do you think it has in the uh, in the building of a D2C company or D2C? Oh, it's massive, obviously. Right. But I would so, the reason I didn't mention, okay, two years ago, if you asked me, instead of saying so much YouTube, I would have said Instagram. But now I won't. I mean... I, Again, it's very contextual. It's not that Instagram organic is not useful. Of course it is. But how effective Instagram organic is now versus two, three years ago, much less. And that's for a few reasons. The biggest being that just like Facebook did with their own Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, that the organic reach is very, very small. They're doing the same thing with Instagram. They're changing the algorithm over time so that the organic reach is lower and lower for brands. Uh, And on top of that, there's so many brands on Instagram now that people are kind of flooded with them and they become almost kind of immune to Instagram content. Yeah, there's content. a lot of noise. There's a lot of uh, social media pollution that I call, you know, like a lot of people are just posting for the heck of yes. posting. And there's a, there's, there has to be a differentiator between what is good content or interesting content versus the content you just put there just for the heck of it, just because right. I need to post something. I, I've actually changed and I'm going a little against the grain when saying... Uh, now more than ever, quality matters more than yeah. con- more than uh, quantity. And there's lots of people who just say, put out five posts a day. And if you can do five posts a day with high quality, good on you. Most can't. You need a team of 20 people to do that. But most people can put out one good piece of content a day or even every other day. And... I, I just think that there's so much noise, like you said, that the quality matters so much more than, than quantity now. And Instagram, the other reason is that it's hard to build a very intimate connection through Instagram. But on YouTube or through your website, places that you have a little more control or through a podcast, you are able to build a much more of a connection with the mm-hmm. audience. So that's why I don't say Instagram as my top preference. It's not that it's not valuable. Of course, Instagram is valuable. But for me, I would just focus much more on Instagram for paid than using organic at this right. point. All right, so let's let's um, summarize a little bit what we just said. Um, so DTC, a direct-to-consumer, is something that has existed for a while. Obviously, you the big advantage is you have um, brand control. You own your customer, which is one of the biggest drawbacks that we see with with Amazon and Walmart and everybody else. You you basically are selling, and then and you don't know. Amazon's taking more control. They well, don't well, that's even one give... thing. That's one thing that I wanted to also kind of touch 
briefly because we just obviously Amazon also raised the fees to for for FBA as you as we announced yeah. in the uh, uh, Mondays or Tuesdays newsletter, and uh, and then they are becoming more and more strict about keeping control of their customers. They consider them customers because they are buying from Amazon versus even though they're buying your products. So it's very hard for the brands that are starting to to even get a hold of their own customers because Amazon basically keeps control of them. Right, and now they give even less info. Right. They used to give addresses mm-hmm. um, if you're selling through FBA, and now they don't, Right. Um, which sucks because a strategy we used to use a lot was Facebook has a great matching algorithm, so you right. can, they don't give you emails, but Amazon does give you the name and address, and you can upload that list to Facebook, and you can get 80% of them to match to a Facebook account. Now we can't do that. So they're taking more and more right. control. Right, they're keeping more control, and they're increasing their fees because they're increasing their expenses, which is they offer one-day shipping, all that stuff. Somebody has to pay for that, and they're splitting the cost pretty much with the sellers. So <clears throat> DTC, obviously, avoids that you own your customer you increase your margins by the mere fact that you're not selling through another vendor or another reseller and uh, obviously you you have full control of your brand and we see customer i mean big brands obviously like nike and all that stuff that are pulling their products from amazon and this and this big online retailers or any other to sell themselves to their own stores or their own websites but they control everything from production to selling all the way to the consumer so that's one of the advantages and then how to get to that, we just discussed that basically the, another way that is one that we like lately is building the audience and then building the product as opposed to building the product and then the audience will find it. You know, uh, That's much more competitive when you build your own audience and then you start selling them a product. That's the way that these other companies have done it. Like one thing that I was thinking about the other day to try to come with a concrete answer for that I get asked a lot is how do we compete with Amazon? because Amazon is so hard to compete with. And basically what I kind of summed it down to is, if you're competing on convenience or price, put your products in Amazon, don't try to compete with Amazon because you're never gonna be cheaper or more convenient than one day free shipping. You know, Mm -hmm. you just cannot afford that. But if you're competing on brand and exclusivity, that's what Amazon doesn't have. Just like Nike pulled their products because they said, you know what? We're Nike. Okay, if people want to buy Nike, they're going to have to buy through us. We have enough pull. We don't need Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And every company's goal should be if you are if you don't want to compete on price and convenience, which I wouldn't because Amazon can afford it. You can't. Uh, is to compete on brand and exclusivity, which is what Amazon does not and have. It's interesting because when you, when you find a product from a brand that is doing DTC, <clears throat> and then you see, hmm, I'm going to see if I find this product on Amazon and you kid as a product search, it doesn't show up, but they do have the keyword telling you that a lot of people oh, are yeah. actually looking for that product, but they don't find it. And then Amazon algorithm obviously shows you similar products that are not exactly the same, but it's not your product. But you can tell that people are searching for it just because Amazon is actually has that keyword as part of their system, but their search. So it, it obviously it works. You know, it works for companies that build their own consumer base. Um, the fact that people are trying to find the same product on Amazon thinking, oh, maybe I'll get free shipping, maybe I'll get it cheaper or something. But no, you don't. It's not there. You're basically right. to buy it from me. No, there's different strategies. Every company needs an Amazon strategy. This is something I talked about when I interviewed uh, Karen Halland, who's a managing director for CircleUp, which is a big fund that invests in consumer companies. And she said that you always need a strategy for Amazon. That doesn't mean necessarily using Amazon as a revenue driving source, but you do need a strategy. 
strategy. And that can mean maybe most of your products are on your own site, but you have some products that are only for Amazon and you use them for customer acquisition. There's different strategies. We can talk about that in another episode of Amazon strategies for D2C focused companies mm -hmm. um, because Amazon is too big to ignore but they're not too big where you necessarily need them to survive, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I always like Amazon as a, as a channel. And I always tell clients sometimes, if you want to sell on Amazon, it's good. I just wouldn't expect huge profits. I mean, you make a 10% margin is good. You can make you're a lot of money on Amazon. You're using public exposure, but you're going to be lost in a sea of uh, products that are just not your, your... You can make a lot of money on Amazon, just like you can make a lot of money putting your products in retail stores. It's all the strategy. But in this case, we're, we're talking about D2C companies. Too many of them just try to ignore Amazon completely. I think that's a mistake, and you're going to get burned if you do that. But if you have a strategy that deals with Amazon, then you control it, basically. And we can, like I said, we can have another episode mm -hmm. discussing those strategies. All right. I don't want to double the length of this one. Um, all right. Any, um, I think we've pretty much summarized everything. Um, I don't have any more uh, points other than, uh, is there any references or anything where people can learn more about DTC? I mean, usually you do a word search on DTC and you have a lot of information, but it's... Read our blog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, definitely this this uh, this whole episode and the show notes will be added to uh, mgredge.com, which is if, our website. You can subscribe to the... We actually rebranded it, the our, uh, yeah, the e our weekly newsletter um, that I write. It used to be Amazon Weekly. I changed it to be e-commerce edge. It's still weekly, it's still once a week, but it's just basically, instead of just Amazon topics, it's gonna be all e-commerce D2C topics. Definitely check it out. If you don't like it, you can also And subscribe. as always, um, you have any questions, at the end of the show notes for each episode, we have a link that you can basically send us for a consultation. Uh, we can You can contact us through multiple sources. MGR Agency is our parent company that produces this podcast, but then MGR Edge is the distribution outlet that we have for all the podcasts and all the uh, blogs and everything else so we have lots of sources you can find us uh, you can ask me or David questions directly we'll get back to you we always reply to all the emails and uh, we try to uh, help other businesses obviously succeed and obviously some of the contact us will help them succeed as well so um, that's you, what I have to say if you want your own curated audience development strategy send me an email that's david at mgragency.com very good